So nice to see you this morning. Isn't trust or confidence or faith an amazing thing? I, I find it amazing because we live faith every day, even this morning. Let me ask you this. How many of you had faith that gravity was going to work this morning? Most of you. So when you got out of bed and you rolled over and you put your feet on the floor, I don't think too many of you were worried that you or your parents or your loved ones had forgotten to pay the gravity bill. You stood up and you had faith that gravity was working again this morning. When you went to the metro or the bus or your car in order to come here this morning, you had faith that thousands of different switches and brakes and electronics and motors and doors and drivers were all working at the right time at the right place in order to transport you from where you were to where you are here this morning. You all, I'm sure, had faith that the sidewalk was solid and well-constructed, maybe a bit more questionable here in Montreal, <laughs> but you, you had a relatively secure amount of faith that the sidewalk would hold you up to Emmaus. When you came into this sanctuary, you had faith that your calendar was correct and that it wasn't Thursday afternoon, but was Sunday morning and that you were coming here to worship. And as you sat on your chairs this morning, I am sure every one of you had faith that that chair would support you. I didn't see anyone looking underneath to check the structural integrity of the chair, checking the welds, checking to make sure everything was clipped into the right place. You all, I saw, just sat down because you had faith in that chair. So already this Sunday morning, you have shown a lot of faith in a lot of different things this morning. And we haven't even gotten to the Bible passages yet. So there is a lot about trust or confidence or faith in the readings that we had this morning. In Habakkuk, there is a showing of faith that a silent God will at some point step in and show justice. In Psalm 37, we had faith that God will reward faithfulness. In one of the alternate readings that we didn't read this morning, which was 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes about Timothy's faith, which he learned from the teachings of his grandmother and his mother. And then finally, we had Luke 17, where we have Jesus teaching us lessons about growing faith and maturing faith. Now, as I start talking, I'll just say that if your mind starts to drift a little bit, I'd like you to just take a look around the room and see if you can see one of the four little bowls that are around, because we'll be referring to those later. Now, when I was growing up, I always imagined Jesus's teachings when I was sitting in Sunday school to be like a classroom. 
And I always imagine Jesus standing in front of a chalkboard or a slate board or whatever it was, and he would be teaching formally to disciples that were, you know, seated in chairs like we are this morning. In fact, as I, as I read scripture more and more over the years, and I look at the parables that he calls up and the stories that he tells, it almost seems like Jesus was taking advantage of whatever he heard or saw around him. And he used what he saw and what he heard in order to teach disciples. Now, in the book of Luke, in the chapters leading up to the passage that we read this morning, Jesus has used parties and sheep and coins and fields to explain different qualities of the kingdom of heaven. And in the start of chapter 17, in those first couple of verses before we got to the the passage that we read this morning, Jesus teaches about how terrible it would be to cause someone to stumble in their faith. And he then teaches how important forgiveness is and how the disciples will have to forgive over and over and over if they are asked to, to do so, if they are asked to forgive. And it's here that we start our story in Luke with the disciples crying to Jesus, crying out saying, Lord, please increase our faith. They're in a sense saying that out of both the teachings that they had just had and the teachings before, there is no way that we can remember this and learn this and live this and do this. It's impossible for us. We need you to fix us up. We need you to plug the leaks and erase the doubts and give us more of that faith stuff so that we can handle it ourselves. Give us more faith so that we can take care of those things. And Jesus' response, I find, is just so typical of the way that he interacted with his disciples. He saw the disciples' old ways of thinking, their desire for self-reliance and even competitiveness. And he turns their thinking upside down and responds as follows in Luke 17, verses 5 and 6. He says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had the faith, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. What is needed to please God and act on his promptings is not necessarily a silo full of faith, not a silo full of mustard seeds, but just a tiny amount of faith, maybe even less than what you needed this morning to stand on the floor with gravity and a willingness to act on that faith. Now, as for how much faith you need, he points to a mustard seed, and I'm wondering if we could go to the next slide. And what I've done is I've drawn um, and magnified several dozen times a, a, a mustard seed. And you can see it right there. Oh, you're, you're laughing. Okay, so some of you may need to adjust your glasses, but to help you out, maybe we can go to the next slide where I've indicated where it is. You all see it there? See it very clearly? 
Oh dear, okay. So let's, let's now go to the next slide. And I've actually zoomed it in and you can see it right there. So that's it. That's how tiny a mustard seed is. Now, I put out a few jars, few little bowls around here. And in there are actual mustard seeds. So if you see them, do you, if you see a bowl, I think there's one there, there's one at the back, there's one there, and I think there's another one back there. I'd like to encourage you to, while I continue to talk, just pass that around and take a look at how small a mustard seed is. And if you want, you can even take one home. We've got a few more extra. So feel free to look at it and just admire how small that is. But that's it. That's the analogy that Jesus is using. And so when we feel a God-inspired prompting or leading, all that God is seeking is a tiny, tiny willingness to take that step forward. And what he can do with that willingness is amazing. He uses the, what I consider to be a funny image of a mulberry tree, just getting up and deciding, I am going to plant myself in the sea and just getting up and planting it there. What Jesus is underlining is that with a tiny amount, great things can happen. And all he needs and all he is looking for is for people to say, I know I don't have much. In fact, all I have is this much. But what I have, Lord, is yours. Please use it. Now, at this point, Jesus probably sensed or saw the disciples starting to kick up their competitiveness again. And already, he had already had one argument with the disciples over in Luke chapter nine, where the disciples were competing um, in terms of who was the greatest. And Jesus had to put them straight in terms of humility and, and the fact that he was not looking for people that were um, looking to be top of the heap. And again, he draws from what he sees around him to explain what it looks like to live this kind of a faith life. And he draws on the story of two people, a master and a servant. And he tells the story of how in this exchange between the two of them with the servant going out to do his work and to come back, that there's almost like a, a switching of roles. The master is expected to cook and prepare, and the servant basically is looking to kick back, relax, turn on the TV, and just enjoy being served by his master. Now, this story, at least to me, strikes me as being all about the servant. The servant being the analogy for the followers of Christ and what's expected. And he tells what would basically be a very ridiculous story, especially for people at that time. The servant arriving in and wanting the spotlight to be on him and all but saying, I deserve some attention here. I worked, um, do you want my autograph? I would, like, I would like the spotlight. 
please turn your attention over to me. But that is not what our Heavenly Father is seeking. Whether a big display of faith or a small display of faith, his expectation is the same. It is consistent. He expects obedience and humility. And as well, he wants his people to realize what a privilege it is to live in these moments of faith, to receive these promptings from our master and to be able to respond to them and enjoy the experience of just responding to that prompting. And so when comments come up or praises are given, the desire of the Lord is not that the fingers go to the servant, fingers point to the servant, but that they point to him, our heavenly father, our master. And as we walk our life journey with God, he will give us chance after chance after chance to experience this mustard seed faith, to test it and to try it again and again and again. He does this not to make us feel wonderful about ourselves or make us feel wonderful about how great we are. He does it to help us grow our faith and to know him better and to trust him more with whatever that next thing might be. And so tomorrow morning, when you show faith in gravity by standing up, when you show faith in the metro system by hopping on and taking it, when you show faith in the sidewalk by walking wherever you might have to go, or faith in all these different things that you experience during the day, Please remember that you've already shown a bit of faith in something and that it's a great chance to then ask how a mustard seed bit of faith in our Heavenly Father can be put to use for his glory and for his honor. Amen. Amen.